Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. And today, if you're brand new to our church, uh, I'm going to do what I do every week here. We celebrate a little bit, share a little bit of vision. You saw that video that we are a church that's local, but we do have a global vision. You want to be a big church like all the other? No, we don't want to be a big church. We want to make a big difference. And that means getting bigger. That's fine. But I would just say that I don't think that the problem is big churches. I think the problem is big churches that lose their smallness. For instance, you could grow up in a town of 5,000 people and you know everybody. You go to a church of 5,000 people and guess what? It's too big. Why is a town of 5,000 too, too small but a church of 5,000 too big? Could it be that hell itself has tried to brainwash the church that you can't get big and stay small? I think, how many want to stay small as we grow? What do you mean stay small? I mean, we, we have a small town feel as we continue to make a big difference. Everyone said amen. Well, I'm fired up. I want to honor, um, I want to honor someone that we would not be here without today, my wife. Rochelle, you are the secret sauce of Ocean's Church. Come on, would you give Rochelle a good hand clap? Thank you, babe, for all your prayer, all your hard work, all your sacrifice, left your family, your friends, your house. Thank you so much, babe. I love you very much. I honor you. You guys see me every week, but I'm telling you, Rochelle is the reason why we're here today, outside of Jesus himself. People say, Mark, the male is the head of the home. I'm like, well, women are the neck. (laughs) Move that head. Can I get an amen, ladies? I am excited. Um, Today, if you're brand new to our church, I want to, we've been in a series called Disciples. I want to stay in that vein today, but I wanted to go big picture. I'm going to go crazy. Can we go crazy today? I want to go to the book of Revelations. I thought it was appropriate since we're living in it right now. Why not preach out of Revelations? story in Revelations, the first three chapters is about a guy named John, who was the youngest disciple to follow Jesus. He followed him for three and a half years in the flesh. Scholars say he was somewhere between 13 and 18 years old when he followed Jesus on the earth. After Jesus got out of the grave, gave gave hell a black eye, gave the devil a nervous breakdown, there was a 40-day resurrection retreat that Jesus hung out on the earth for a month and 10 days, and uh, during that time, John saw Jesus. But it's interesting, at the end of John's life, around A.D. 95, A.D. 96, John, the longest living apostle, would have an encounter when he's banished from Rome to the island of Patmos, has a vision that he sees Jesus Christ himself. And somehow this vision is so gnarly that it actually makes John fall over like he's dead. Now, let's read this just for a second. I'll read a couple of extra credit verses that I wasn't planning on reading today. In Revelations 1, let's just look at this. It says, John, in verse 12 of chapter 1, turned to see the voice that spoke to me. Having turned aside, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one was like the Son of Man. He was clothed with a garment down. The feet uh, was girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair, they were white. Like, um, like, like wool. They, they were like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like, uh, they were like, like a flame of fire. His feet were like, like, why are you saying it like this? I'm trying to make a point. 
They were like, like fine brass, refined in a furnace, and his voice is as a sound of many waters. In his right hand, the seven stars, and out of his mouth, the two sharp-edged sword. And his countenance was like, it was like, it was like the shining of the sun at full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. But he laid his, his right hand upon me, and he said, do not be afraid, for I am the first, I am the last, I am he who lives forever. I want to tell you today, I'm going to talk about overcoming churches. In the last days that we live in, I believe that there was ever a time in history that the church has to be overcomers. It's now, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a time to be apathetic, lethargic, complacent. This is a time for God's church to rise. It is an hour that God's church is called to rise in. And I love this. We're going to read in Revelations chapter 3. Turn the page. I'm on page. Come on. Uh, 10... 1053, and uh, I'm going to read that, <laughs> 1053. If you're taking notes today, I want to talk to you today about overcomers. And the Bible calls overcomers, it calls them pillars. And I'm going to read this today out of Revelations chapter 3. I heard a story about an ancient king, and his troops were going to war one day. And before they went to battle, he came, this is during a very superstitious time in history, and um, he called his troops and he said, guys, I have a prophetic coin. On one side, there is an eagle. On the other side, there is a bear. And if, I, if it lands on the eagle side when I throw it, that means that we will for sure have victory. If it lands on the bear's side, we're going to lose. So in front of his military, he threw the coin in the air, and it landed on the eagle. His military began to cheer, began to chant, and they went into victory, and they won the war. After their great victory, they came back to their king, and the king said, guys, I want to tell you something. He brought him in, and he showed him the coin. And guess what? On both sides of the coin was an eagle. I want to, I want to, I want to, this is the lesson, though, is that they were assured of victory, and assured of victory empowers the army. I believe the book of Revelations is a story of our assured victory. And we read the book of Revelations, it's really, it's about four things. All of the book of Revelations is about God's plan and future for the world. God will ultimately be victorious over evil. Can I get a real amen? And there will be a final accounting of our faith in our life. There is a better world that's waiting for us after this life. But before we get into all of Revelations, I want to look at the first three chapters today. I'm going to read out of chapter 3. And I want to talk to you because John addresses with Jesus, he writes down the address that Jesus has about the seven churches in Western Asian Minor. And these seven churches range from, uh, from Ephesus to Laodicea, and it says that he addresses each of the seven churches. And listen, why, 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 Mark, we're 2021. What does this have to do with today? It has everything to do with today. Because right now on the earth, right now every church in the world falls into one of these seven categories. And I don't know about you, but I want to fall into the right category. Are you guys ready to go? Who's fired up on our three-year anniversary? Anybody fired up? Let's read this this morning. If you're brand new to our church, I'm going to read uh, about ten verses. I'm going to read out of Revelations chapter 3. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite God to speak to us. I'm going to pray that we might laugh a little bit. But at the end of this service, I'm praying that God would strike these tents and your living rooms with the power of his Holy Spirit. You guys ready to go? Let's read this out of Revelations chapter 3. He's speaking to the, to the uh, sixth church here. He's addressing the faithful church. How many want to be a part of the faithful church? 
Watch what he says to the faithful church. He says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right? These things, it's not the Philly that's on the East Coast that has uh, losing sports teams. Um, kidding, don't say that in Philadelphia. You get stabbed. Let's keep going. It says, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who is the key to David, he who opens what no one can shut and shuts what no one can open. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. And you have come out with little strength. You have kept my word. Say it with me, kept my word. You have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who, is, who say that, that they are Jews but are not, but a lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. What's God's command? To what? Where's the persevering church at? Anybody here today? persevering church i will also keep you in the hour of your trial which you shall come upon that will hit the world to test those who dwell on the earth let me stop why does god allow test the same reasons your teachers do to find out what you really know and what you really believe and number two we test kids to find out if they're ready for the next level i believe that we are living in a time of great testing but it's not because God doesn't love us. It's because he wants to see what we really believe. And he wants to see if we're ready for the next level. Anybody believe that today? So it goes on. He says this. That I'll test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, Jesus says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have heard that you may not lose your crown. He who overcomes. Watch this. He who overcomes. I will make him. What does Jesus say? I will make him a what a pillar in the house in the temple of my god overcomers god will make what make what is there any pillars up in this church if you overcome i will make you a pillar god says and he says this and you shall go out no more i will write on him the name of my god and the and on the name of him the city of my god and in Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I want to talk to you today about God's pillars. You guys ready to go? God's house, God's pillars. Father, I ask you today that, God, you would remind us not only the great things you've done the last three years, but as we look forward to the next three decades, maybe the next three centuries, lest you tarry. I thank you that, God, we would be those that would live as an overcoming church. We don't preach a little J, Jesus. We don't preach a little G, God. We preach about the God that rules and the God that reigns. Today, Lord, would you elevate faith in these tents? God, today, would you give us vision for the future? God, would you fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the oceans? Lord, fill these tents today. Fill our living rooms today. In Jesus' name, and God's people said... Come on, everybody said amen. 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 Bless the Lakers, the Rams, the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Padres. (laughs) Or not. I guess not. Um, Anybody ever uh, shop for a house before? Who's ever shopped for a house? Anybody? Who's shopped for a house recently? Anybody shopped for a house recently? It is crazy times to be looking for a house in California. As many of you know, California boasts to have the ugliest million-dollar houses in the world. Can we all agree that a house that costs over a million dollars should not be painted peach? Can we agree today that houses that are over a million dollars should not have carpet in the bathrooms? 
Lord, popcorn ceilings do not belong in million-dollar houses. I've never been so bothered before. Looking for houses right now in California is like being on The Bachelor. You walk in, you're like sizing up the competition. I don't have a chance here. People that have more money than you looking at that open house, you're talking to the listing agent like you're trying to get a rose. Can I get an amen? It's wild. Looking for a house in California, it's almost like, it's almost like finding someone you want to date. Isn't it kind of similar? You walk in, you're like, man, needs a new grill. That's fixable. <laughs> Kidding. That's terrible. That's terrible. You walk into some house, it's almost like dating a guy or a girl. You're like, man, I don't know if I can afford the upkeep in this relationship. <laughs> Going to take a lot of people and a lot of money to keep this thing in shape. I was thinking about, it's a nervous energy when you look at a house. You literally right now, you go into a house, there's 40 other people in there looking at it. There's one rose. You got to figure out in 20 minutes, is this my forever house? <laughs> And you're like, man, if I don't make this decision for better or for worse till death do us apart now, I don't know when I'm going to make this decision. I remember walking through the houses. It seemed like every house in California, especially in our budget, it's crazy. Like every house I liked wasn't in my budget. Yeah. Who's ever had that problem? It's like, man, I found some sweet houses, but they're just out of my reach. Felt like elementary school all over again. Come on, somebody. Every girl I liked was out of my league. <laughs> Anyways, aww. I was thinking about this. God is, uh, he's looking for a beautiful bride. God actually has a desire like you and me to own a beautiful bride, beautiful house. He talks about in Revelations that he's coming back for a bride that actually is, has a house that's full of pillars. I was thinking about even looking at houses today. So much of what you look at in Orange County, you're like, yeah, we're going to have to fix this thing up. It's like, it's like you're, the top of your price range just to get into the house. And once you get in, you're like, well, we pretty much got to renovate everything. <laughs> like, it's cool except the carpet, the surfaces, the paint, the ceiling, the roof, the backyard, the landscaping, and it needs a pool. Uh, everything else I really like. I was thinking about this. I think God is looking down from heaven, looking for his bride that says, will my church be a church that's willing to be re renovated? Will my people let me turn them from clay, from sand, into mighty pillars? There's an indictment against six churches in the end days. In the last, last seven, uh, the, last, the first three chapters of the last book of the Bible talks about seven churches, and six of them had some serious flaws. There was only one of them that he actually referred to as a church that overcame, that was faithful, that actually, he, he said, I will actually turn your overcoming spirit into becoming pillars in my house. Pillars in my house. You know what pillars do? Pillars carry weight. You know what pillars do? Pillars don't just carry weight. Pillars are beautiful. Pillars are architecturally pleasing to the eye. And I would go beyond that. Pillars, guess what my favorite thing about pillars? They don't just carry weight. They actually last. 
in the ancient world, when you go to a ruined city, a city that's been desolated for thousands of years, the only thing still standing, it's not the roof, it's, come on, it's not the walls, it's not the windows, it's not the shag carpet or the popcorn ceilings. If you go to Rome, Greece, or Jerusalem, or Egypt, you know what's still standing tall? It's the pillars. You know, I believe God is calling an overcoming church to be pillars because he wants you in your civilizations, in your cities, in your regions, in your businesses, in your marriages, in your families. He wants you to be pillars. You know, pillars, do they carry weight? They're aesthetically pleasing to the eye. You don't look like everybody else. They're made out of different materials. And guess what? They last. When everything else gets shooken, shaken, when everything else gets woke, guess what? The church stands. And I can feel it deep down in my bones today. Why is God going to continue to be with Ocean's Church? Because we're going to be an overcoming church that we allow him to make us pillars. How many want to be a pillar today? I want to be God's pillars. I'm telling you today that we live in a day and age that like the old world is banning Bibles, burning Christianity, scoffing and ridiculing our faith. Scholars call our faith foolish. Kings in our land are calling it illegal, attempting to bury the multiple times that the good things that Jesus died to preach. But I want to remind you that like Nero in the ancient world, the more that Christianity is persecuted, the more they bury it, the more resurrection power brings it out of the grave. Jesus is not returning for a, a broken church. He's not coming back for a scared church. He's not coming back for Christians that are in the fetal position, hiding in the hills. I got a word for someone today. Some of us have to stop planning doomsday and start planning about resurrection day. He's not coming back for a church that's scared, sucking its thumb, asking to be delivered from the big bad devil. He's coming back for a church that's full of signs and wonders. A church that's full of faith, hope, and love. Come on, if you really believe it, give him a five-second hand clap today. Many people don't believe this, but why, why are people drawn to this church? I think, some, quite frankly, that the, 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 the picture we have of Jesus determines the type of church that we believe and we build. If you see Jesus as a small Jesus that's barely capable of getting you to heaven, you will have a very small theology, and you'll think that the church is weak, that Christians are the tail and not the head, and you'll believe that we're just supposed to follow society. But if you believe in a big J Jesus and a big G, big G God, like John, you know what I think before he addresses the seven churches, he says, John, come here for a second. Let me show you Jesus that you've never seen before. Jesus was with John for three and a half years on the earth. He was with him 40 days after the resurrection. But listen to me, John never fell to the ground dead when he saw Jesus before. You know why? Because in Revelations, John saw the resurrected, powerful Jesus that sits at the right hand of the Father. He saw the Jesus that's on the throne forever with fire in his eyes, with hair like wool, and a voice that's like the sound of many oceans. You know why John had a revelation of what the church could be as overcomers? Because he had a big picture of Jesus. You know why many Christians live small faith lives? Because they have a small picture of Jesus. We have this little picture of Jesus that your grandma had on her refrigerator with Jesus carrying that little lamb. Come on. You know Caucasian Jesus? I don't know Caucasian Jesus. 
He had like blue eyes and blonde hair. He had like four little lambs on his shoulder. I'm like, pretty sure that's not the Jesus of the Bible. But I want to remind you today, he's not some little Jesus that's barely capable of saving your soul. I I think that many times the church, if we're going to be an overcoming church, overcoming churches have a big picture of God. How do you know? Because I believe this, that the size of your God is reflected in the size of your prayers. Some of you don't realize how small Jesus is to you because you've never looked at the size of your prayers. But if you think the only thing that Jesus can do is bless your food... God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. Amen. If that that is the size of your Jesus, then you're not going to be an overcomer. Some of you get so rattled at politics because you forget who's sitting on the throne. Big pictures of Jesus lead to unshakable faith. And I believe that God is coming back for an overcoming church that has a picture, like John, of a Jesus that has fire in his eyes, hair like wool. And a voice that's like the sound of many waters. That's a big Jesus. That's a Jesus that cancer is no match for. That's a Jesus that addictions can't mess with. Heroin can't stand up against. Divorce is no match for. Where's the big J Jesus at in Orange County? I feel fired up on our anniversary today. The problem is, is that today we have a little view of Jesus. And when Jesus is little, the church isn't a hospital, it turns into a hospice. How do you know when the church has a little picture of Jesus is they act like a hospice to comfort people that are broken until they die. I want to tell you the Ocean Church is different than a lot of churches because if you get sick, we're going to believe that God would heal you. And if you're broken, we're going to believe that God's going to fix you. And if you're addicted, God's going to set you free. And if you're far from God, you're going to get close to God. Hospitals get people healthy. Hospice comes into your life to make you comfortable until you die. This isn't a hospice. This is a hospital. Sick people are welcome. But if we're doing our job right, you won't stay in this place sick for long. I feel like preaching this morning. If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Or a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something today. Never gets old, right, Paul? I, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's an anniversary joke there. I was thinking about many times we, we don't have an uh, overcoming spirit because we have a small picture of God. He talks to these seven churches, only one of them out of the seven. One out of seven. One out of seven was the faithful church. The first church at Ephesus, he's like, hey, you, you guys did a lot of stuff right. You love my name, you love my ways, you have, a, you have a hatred for evil, you actually, you've sifted out false apostles in Ephesus. You've done a really good job, but there's actually one thing you didn't do that actually totally negates the five things that you did do. He says, the greatest sin you can allow in your life, Ephesus, is to let Jesus go from being your first love to one of your many loves. If we're going to be an overcoming church that becomes a pillar in, a, in the ground of truth for Orange County, Southern California, America, and to the ends of the earth. Number, I, want to, I want you to write down these six things today. If we're going to be an overcoming church that becomes a pillar in Orange County, a pillar in California, a pillar to our husbands, a pillar to our wives, a pillar to our employees, a pillar to our children. How do we become pillars? I think the first thing that we learn from the seven churches is, number one, Ephesus teaches us that we have to keep God first. 
You know why most people don't have Jesus first? Because they're distracted or because they drift. Our human nature is to drift or to get distracted. And I want you to know that Jesus is terrible. He's a terrible employee. Jesus, God, is a terrible, terrible hired hand. He was never designed to be someone that, that, that works for you. He, was only, he only made you so that you could actually work for him. He makes a great boss but a terrible employee. Can I get an amen? Many people, the problem with Orange County is I would even say, I'd say my assessment, I know I'm, I'm a newcomer here, but my assessment is I think that Orange County is one of the most God-fearing counties in California. Can I get an amen? I would credit, honestly, I would credit Saddleback Church, Mariner's Church, the two biggest churches in the state of California for a long time. Can we give them a hand clap real quick? They did a great job laying a foundation in this region. But my assessment is this, is that even though we are a county that has a heart for God, I think that one of the things that we've made a mistake at is that we love God, but we just don't always love him first. Like we believe in our hearts that he's Lord, but we don't always make him first in our life. How do you know he's not first? Because we prioritize sports camps for our kids before youth camps. Not throwing rocks, but I'm just telling some facts. That we honor him Christmas and Easter, but we don't honor him the rest of the year. We go to church when there's nothing else going on. We give and we have a little bit extra. We kind of just tip God here and there. We go to church when it's convenient. We read our Bible occasionally. And even though we have a love for God, it's not our first love. You know what gets us in trouble in our walk with Jesus is when he becomes one of the many hobbies of our life. Listen to me very clearly, Orange County, Jesus is not an elective credit. And I'll tell you that right now, Christianity goes cold when Jesus becomes an elective. He's not who we pursue when nothing else is going on. It's not we, it, church isn't what we do on Sundays when your sports team isn't playing. The problem in America is, is our king is sports and our queen is entertainment. And we worship deities that aren't God. Oh, it's getting quiet up in here. I'm just telling you the truth today. Where is the people of God that say, Jesus, you are above everything else? I would like to remind all the believers here today that our priorities go something like this. Jesus, my spouse, my kids, my job, and everything else. Do you know that you can make Orange County an idol out of your marriage? You can make an idol out of your children? What's an idol? An idol is anything that you say, I will not be happy until I have blank. I won't be happy until I have kids. You made an idol out of children. I won't be happy until I get married. You made an idol out of marriage. Do you know that an idol is anything that is sitting in God's seat? What are we going to do in Orange County? We're going to be pillars. You know why? Because Ocean's Church, that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep God first. You know what we're going to do on Sundays? Come on, like Chick-fil-A. We're going to go to church. That's where they're all out on Sundays. We are gonna, we're going to honor God with, with church on Sundays because it's the first day of the week. And here's the principle of first. Whatever you want God to bless the rest of, you give him the first of. Say it again. Whatever you want God to bless the rest of, you give him the first of. So if you want God to bless your day, wake up and give him the first part of it. You want him to bless your week, show up to the house of God. You want him to bless your year, start off in January with a prayer and a fast. God, direct my year. You want him to bless your business, give him the first part of your business income. I'm telling you, whatever you give God the first of, he will bless the rest of. Many Christians don't overcome because they don't know the principle of keeping God first. They treat Jesus like some tennis class, some racquetball class, some weightlifting class before your major subjects. And he's not a minor, he's a major. 
Why is there so many weak Christians? Because they have a heart for God, but he's not first. You want to be an overcomer? Come on, say it with me. God first. Second thing we learn is from the church of Smyrna is he tells that church that you have to have a faith that's worth living and dying for. You know why most Christians aren't pillars today in America? Because we have a very casual, convenient, comfortable faith. I'm so pumped we shared Joel and Melanie's story today. Did you, hear, did you hear what she said? She said, we had a great life in Boise. God said that we would have a good life if we stayed. But he told me this, if we didn't risk and go, we would never see the potential of what we could do in our life. Where are the people that have a faith that's worth risking everything for? Betting the farm. Where are those Christians at? We're not like that, though. We like to judge people that get out of the boat like that. What are you doing, Joel Mel? You should stay in the boat. Kind of reminds me of Peter. You know what's crazy? Peter got the most criticism from the 11 that were in the boat just talking about him. Who does Peter think he is? Getting out on that water, trying to be a water walker like Jesus. Get back. You're making us all look bad, Peter. Isn't it funny? People that criticize Ocean's Church, they're not, they're not non-believers. They're the Christians that are sitting in the boat. How dare they believe that God can still use women? How, believe, how dare they believe that God still does miracles, signs and wonders? God can influence politics, influence education, influence the business world. How dare they? Hey, Jethro, I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. We got too many critics up in the church throwing rocks at those that are actually doing something for God. Listen to me. Don't ever criticize someone that's doing more for God than you are. All these little seminary scholars, Theosu graduates, watching your class online, criticizing pastors that are changing their cities. If you haven't led more people to the Lord than them, don't have an opinion that's so strong. I remember I got out of Bible college. I had one of my classmates was like, how dare that guy? Billy Graham, why does he have them close their eyes and count to three and raise their hands? He should tell them to be more bold. I'm like, you know what? Come, come here, come here, Billy. I'm like, me and you are young, and Billy Graham has led more people to the Lord probably in 24 hours. I'm not trying to be mean, Billy, but I would just say this. It's funny that we always criticize. We don't usually criticize people that are doing uh, less than us. It's the ones that are doing more than we're doing that we're the most opinionated about. Getting quiet up in the press. I, I offended some people with that one. I like that point. I want to be a church that's walking on the promises of God. Do you know that Peter wasn't walking on water? He was walking on God's word. How do you walk on the, on the water of life? You step out on God's word. It wasn't the water he was standing on. It was Jesus saying, come to me. We, uh, we got to have a faith that's worth dying for and worth living for. Problem is, we have a lot of deceived Christians in America today. We do. I'm being honest. We have a lot of people that think, no, I would die for my faith. If it, like, got crazy here and they started, come on, who's at that scenario at a dinner table? Oh, it feels like Mark of the Beast and Biden was coming to my house with a stamp. I would die. I would die for my faith. We say stuff like this all the time. Mark of the Beast, I would die for my faith. I'm like, dude, you don't even go to church regularly. You don't even go to a small group. 
You read your Bible like twice a year. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just saying if you think that you would die for Jesus, you're deceived. You're not even living for Jesus. And if you don't live for him, you won't die for him. I feel something coming in this tent. It's not until we start living for him that we actually will start dying for him. That's what the church teaches us in Smyrna. Is we got to be a church that's worth, worth living and worth dying for. Followers that are worth living and worth dying for. We're going to follow Jesus. Thyatira and Pergamos teach us about if we're going to be those that are like pillars in the end days, next three decades, next three centuries until Jesus returns, if we are going to be an overcoming church in Orange County, we got to make up our minds today that we're going to be a no compromise and a no corruption church. That was the indictment against those two cities. He says, you guys have compromised and you're corrupt. Can we all agree today that it's, it's getting rarer and rarer to find people that aren't compromising and aren't corrupt? So much of our political systems become corrupt. So much of the way that we're educating our kids has become corrupt. Our, 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 our crazy worldviews have gotten corrupt. We're cool with 100,000 people sitting in a stadium, but we're upset when six of our kids get in a classroom. There is so much... It's corrupt. It's corrupt. And the church has to stand up and speak up. You're going to offend some people. I would rather offend people with truth than make people comfortable with lies any day of the week. Well, Mark, you got to trust the science. Listen, when science says that guys can be girls and girls can be guys, it's not always trustworthy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stake my life on the truth of God's word. Here's where it gets quiet in the church. I would rather be right with God than to have a big church. What good is a big church of people that's going to hell? What good is a big church that's lulling people to sleep with teaching things that are itching their ears? I feel like... We're not going to compromise in this hour. We're going to be an overcoming church. We're going to stand for truth. I don't care if it offends people. I would rather be, I'd rather be non-offensive to God than, uh, than, than not offensive to people. We're not going to be mean. You can speak the truth if you speak it in what? The problem is we have people that speak it in love, but they don't speak any truth. You know what, truth, you know what churches without truth are? They're like, they're, they're surgeries with medicine with no operations. Imagine going to the doctor for a critical surgery and they, they inundate you with, with medicines, but they actually never open you up and get rid of the problem. That is a church full of love with no truth. And the opposite is true. A church with truth with no love is when you go in there and you get a root canal with zero medicine. Love is what numbs the pain long enough for the master surgeon to come in and change the problem. I feel like preaching. Come on, give me a hand clap today. No compromise, no corruption. Where are the Christians that say, I don't care if I lose some followers. As long as I'm following Jesus, I'm good. I want to remind you that being famous in social media is like being rich in Monopoly. It's nice, but it isn't all, it isn't all powerful. I would rather be popular with Jesus than popular with people. You know what keeps me awake at night sometimes? 
is ever the idea of leading a church that I'm more worried about pleasing the people's ears than telling the truth to their hearts. You know what freaks me out as a pastor? Is if anyone that went to our church gets to heaven and is surprised. I don't ever want to teach you messages that one day Jesus disagrees with. I don't want you to live your whole life thinking, well, I went to church and I listened to Mark's teachings, so I must be right with God. If Mark's teaching me a bunch of lies, I would rather offend Orange County with some of the truth of God's word. And you stand before the throne of grace, knowing that you're right with Jesus, then go to a church that preaches, that preaches warm, fuzzy messages, that God's grace band-aid is going to cover all your dirty diapers of sin, and you can live in your dysfunction your whole life, and this hospice gospel. I believe that Jesus died to get you out of the grave. I believe you are more than an overcomer. Revelations 12 says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not loving their lives unto death. Where are those that say, God, I'm not going to compromise? It's like being single, though, and making up your mind to be pure. You have to do it before the time of temptation comes. Singles. You can't say, I'm going to wait till I'm in the backseat of the car with my good-looking girlfriend or boyfriend to decide if I'm going to stay a virgin. You need to make up your mind today before you're tempted of who you're going to be in the hour of temptation. I'm making up my mind today that before temptation comes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna compromise. I don't care if people leave our church because they go, this preacher's being too, he's being too honest about the Bible. Find a church that itches your ears. I'm so, I would rather be, I'd rather be smacked with truth than kissed with lies. And I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally offend you. I will, I probably will. Maybe even a day I offended you. But can we all agree that you don't want a trainer at a gym that doesn't ever challenge you? Why would you pay money at a gym for someone to harass you and go to a church that you're always comfortable in? If you're always comfortable in your church, it's probably because you're not growing. Discomfort is one of the fruits that God is calling me higher. Where are the Christians that are calling us higher? I listen to preachers. So many messages in the world today are empowering people to live low. Where are those that are saying, let's come up with Jesus is? Let's stop hanging out with the turkeys and the chickens. Let's start soaring with the eagles. Feel his presence today. California have a heart for God. Let's make him first. Let's stop compromising. Let's stop giving into the corruption that's around us. Let's live what we preach, number four. Let's preach what we live. Let's have deeds that match our declarations. Can I say it this way? Let's smoke what we sell. We got too many people that are saying God is holy, God is awesome, God is powerful, God is righteous, but we're living weak, we're living corrupt, and we're living dysfunctional. If we're gonna be screwed up, let's live screwed up seven days a week. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be like uh, deniers of the goodness and the power of God, let's be that seven days a week. Let's stop coming to church on Sunday with our veneer faith, acting all holy, and then Friday and Saturday night we're getting smashed, sleeping with everything with two legs, coming in the house of God saying, bless the Lord. Listen, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just saying, if you're going to serve darkness, go all in. But if you're going to serve God, stop making the rest of us look bad. Ooh, that's, 
That burns a little bit in California. I'm tired of people making the rest of us look like jokers because you ain't serious. There's some of us that are all in. I would live for my faith. I would die for my faith. I sold my house, my boat, my boat to move to California to start a church that has some real Christians in it. Look, and if you're in a dark place, that's cool. But I want you to know the expectation here is, it's like the hospital. We're going to get well. And it might be, I might go from three packs a day to two packs a day to one pack a day. But I believe in a God that can actually deliver me from this vice. It was quiet in here. I'd like to remind you, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, that's your little... That's your little religious bio on Facebook. I like to remind you that Christian, it means this. My goal is to live like Jesus. Some of you think Christian is like some popular terminology, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. Because you want the benefits of heaven, but you don't want none of the responsibilities. You're a Christian. Your job is to represent Jesus to everyone on the earth that will never see Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. Ooh, I feel some feel something in here today. We got to live what we preach. We got to preach what we live. We got to sell what we smoke. Everyone said amen. Fifthly, you still with me today? You know what overcoming churches do? Number five, I want you to write this down. We got to be faithful. You know what faithful people are? We read about this in the book of Philadelphia, in the church of Philadelphia. He says they have endurance, they're steadfast, they're consistent, they're patient. Eugene Peterson calls it long obedience in the same direction. He says, those people, I will make him into a pillar, a house. How powerful are God's words here? Jesus says, I will make him a pillar. The word make, I love that word make. Say it with me, make. You know what that word make means? Check this out. It means this. It encompasses this idea that God could shape something out of something that's already present with inside of you. But he can also bring into existence anything that is needed right now that's lacking inside of you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to take the raw materials of your life and I'm going to shape it into Jesus. I'm going to make you a pillar. Goal of Christianity is letting Jesus make us into a pillar. Jesus is a pillar-making God. He's a God that wants to make us into his image. Jesus, that's it. that was his way of saying, I got the will and the power if you are willing and available to become what I want to make you. I believe that we're going to be a church that are strong supports to others, architecturally pleasing, actually built, built out of different materials than the rest of the world around us. We're actually going to be those that carry the weight of our societies. We're going to be leaders in our cities. We're going to be those that, the, that our cities and our regions can lean on. Where are the Christians that stand? I want to remind you that Josephus was a believer at the end of his life. I want to remind you even Joseph of Arimathea. He was a mighty influencer of his day. Nicodemus was a mighty influencer of his day. Lydia was a mighty influencer of her day. The nobleman was a mighty influencer of his day. Where are those pillars in Orange County today? God is looking for those like Simon Peter, starting off his read. You know who Simon Peter is? He is the original Rocky. He says, no longer are you going to be called Simon. Your name is Peter. It's Cephas. It's Rock. Get in there, Rock. You're Rocky. You know what Rocky and Peter have in common? Is they both weren't nothing until they got the right coach in their life. You know what they had in common? Is they had no idea the potential that was inside of them to do great things for God. 
Today, I believe as we close this up this morning, feel his presence in this room. We're not only going to be a church that's faithful, we're going to become pillars in our cities, in our families. We're going to be those that have a red-hot faith. Say it with me, lukewarm. Laodicea was a church that was lukewarm. He says, I got one thing against you guys, that you're hot and you're cold. You're lukewarm. Can we agree that no one likes lukewarm coffee, lukewarm tea, or lukewarm food? Be hot, be cold, don't be lukewarm. I'll say what most pastors won't say. If you want to go into darkness, go all the way in. Go cold. But if you're going to go after Jesus, go all the way in. Get hot. Worst thing to do is to be half in and half out. You know why? Because you're never going to be hot enough for the cold people, and you're never going to be cold enough for the hot people. And you're going to be bipolar in your faith. You're going to be spiritually schizophrenic. That's what the issue is with most of Orange County, is we're hot on Sundays and Wednesdays, and we're cold the rest of the week. Where are the hot Christians? I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to be a pillar. I'm going to be an overcomer. I know this is a strong message today, but I want to set the precedence that as long as Ocean's Church has its doors open, we will be a church that is going to be like the church that's in Philadelphia, that is faithful until the end, that has a faith worth dying for, that keeps the first love the first love, that doesn't compromise, that's not corrupt. Are you hearing me today? That's a church that's not lukewarm, but it's red hot. Lord, make us that church. Luke, Luke, Luke 16 is powerful. Luke 17 is powerful. 16 probably is too. But Luke 17 tells a story about, about this, it's a crazy story about Noah, the end times. And he says this, he says this powerful phrase, kind of in the middle there. It's the second shortest verse in the Bible. Is Luke records this, he says, remember Lot's wife. One of those spooky verses, like, okay, that's a scary story. Lot's wife, if you remember, she's from Sodom and Gomorrah. The Sodom and Gomorrah that got destroyed, fire and brimstone. You know the guy that hangs out at the Ram Stadium? Yeah, that guy's gospel. Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed with fire and brimstone. The only instruction that God gave Lot and his wife was don't turn around when you're leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. That's exactly what Lot's wife did. She disobeyed God even in her death. Watch me. He said, remember Lot's wife. God gave me this revelation this week, California, and I have a word for you. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't get destroyed because of how wicked the wicked were. It didn't get destroyed because of the quantity of the wicked. It got destroyed because of the lack of quantity of the righteous. God wanted to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, but there wasn't enough righteous people in the land. It wasn't the quantity of the darkness. It was the lack of the quantity of God's light. And I have a word for California, that there is a lot of darkness in this state, but if the, if the light would begin to stand up, God would spare all of Babylon for the righteous. God's desire to save is stronger than God's desire to judge. He's rich in mercy. Remember Lot's wife. You know what Lot's wife was? She's a She's a modern-day parable of what? That she became in her death what God wanted her to be in her life. A pillar of salt. You know why Sodom and, destroyed, Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed? Because Lot's wife wasn't a pillar of salt. You know when California will turn around? 
when the church becomes like Lot's wife was supposed to be, a pillar of salt while she was alive, not not until she died. Hear me today. Let's be what Lot's wife was in her death while we live. A pillar of salt. If there was just 10 righteous, God would have saved an entire beautiful city. I wonder where the, where the pillars of salt are. My, my prayer as I was praying this week, God said, Mark, Ocean's Church is going to be a pillar of salt. We're going to be pillars of salt in Orange County. God is raising up the Traminos. He's raising up the Wolves. He's raising up the O'Tools. He's raising up the Yules. He's raising up the Bristos. He's raising up the righteous all over this region. God, make us pillars of salt. Listen to me. We always pray, God, make me an overcomer. Listen. You can only pray that prayer if you're willing to have something to overcome. I would actually argue that California, maybe out of any other state with the exception of New York, has the greatest opportunity to be overcomers. Because there is more stuff to jump over here, to overcome here, than any other state in America. Hear me, California. This is not the time to retreat. It's not the time to give up. It's not the time to quit. This is the time to overcome, to let God make us pillars of salt in California. Stand to your feet. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Pillars are shapeable, flexible, teachable. God, would you make us shapeable, flexible, teachable? I pray today in Jesus Christ's name, all over this tent. How many would say today, we're going to have an honest moment at Ocean's Church, whether you're online or whether you're in person. I want to do inventory today. How many believe that you need to have a bigger picture of Jesus? You're like, Mark, I never had faith that God could turn California around. But you're praying a pretty big prayer. You must see God a little bit bigger than I do. How many want to see God bigger? Would you raise your hand up? Yeah, up, that's right, that's right. Up and then down. We're going to see him bigger. How about here today you say, Mark, come on, we're, we're voters. Let's vote, come on. Somebody didn't vote this week. We're going to vote now. You guys ready? Hear me. Second thing we're going to do is if you say, Mark, I'm here, and I want to make a decision today in front of all these good-looking people that I'm going to live my life putting God first. I'm not asking if you don't have a love for God. I'm asking, is the Holy Spirit convicting you? Not condemning you. Is the Holy Spirit convicting you that He's the love of your life, but He's not the first love? How many want to make sure that He's your first love today? If you say, Mark, I want to make God my first love, raise your hand up. Come on, we're voting today. Come on. Up, that's me. Yep. And down. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Secondly, thirdly, I guess, how many would be here today to say, Mark, I want to make up my mind today, premeditated decision, that I'm going to live my life without corruption and without compromise. I don't care if everybody else is cussing Christians and loose conviction Christians and getting high and getting drunk Christians. I don't care if everybody else around me in Sodom and Gomorrah is, as for me and my house, no corruption, no compromise. Where are you at? I wanna go higher. I see some honest hands going up at this tent. How about here, here today? I wanna live what I preach. I wanna preach what I live. For my ex-drug dealers, I wanna sell what I smoke by faith. Would you lift your hands? I want to I be genuine. Seven days a week. This isn't, this isn't the Olive Garden that you're only family while you're here. Come on. We're going to be all, day, all seven days. Awesome. Hands up and down. How many would say, Mark, would you pray that God would make me faithful? Notice that he says to the overcomers, I will make. We're going to make up our mind to be overcomers and then God is going to make us pillars. How many say, I want to be faithful? Hands up. Yeah. Hands down.
Last couple things we're going to pray for here. How many want to pray today that God, no longer am I going to be hot and cold, schizophrenic, bipolar in my faith. I want to be consistent. And if I'm going after Jesus, listen to me, hear me very clearly. If Jesus is not real, you should be coming to church. If he's fake, you should have zero importance for God. Listen to me. If he is real, he should be worth every minute of your day. He should be worth all of your affection and your attention. If he's fake, he's of no importance. But if he's real, he's of all importance. The only thing that Jesus cannot be is lukewarm, moderately important. How many would today say, Mark, if he's real, I want to go all in. All in, all in, all in, all in, all in. Okay. Awesome. You raise your hand. I know there's three areas, four areas, five areas, six areas. Both hands towards heaven if that's you. Would you pray an honest prayer from your heart today? God gets serious with those that get serious with him. Well, pray this like you mean it. Say, God, today, would you forgive me for seeing you too small? Is there any honest people here today? Come on, pray like you mean it. God, forgive me if I've seen you too small. Help me to see the resurrected Jesus that has fire in his eyes, hair like wool, and a voice like the sound of many oceans that rules and reigns. Today, God, get bigger in my eyes. Today, God, I make a decision to make you first. My time, my priorities, my money, my gifts, I put you first. I ask you today, I'd have a faith worth living for and a faith worth dying for. I declare today, no compromise, no corruption. I declare war on any darkness in my life, in my family background. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live what I preach. I'm, you're going to make me faithful. And I'm going to live with red hot faith. In Jesus' name. You believe that? Give me a hand clap and a shout. We're going to do two things. Would you sing this song, Our God Reigns? the devil.
faith in the room today. If you're here, you feel like the presence of God is, even now, knocking at the door of your heart. That's actually the, the passage that was spoken to the Laodicean church. It wasn't non-believers that was given that promise. It was lukewarm believers. He said, you can't be hot, you, gotta, you can't be cold. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. God is knocking at the hearts of those that have been hot and been cold. Those that are serving God on Sunday mornings but living for hell the rest of the week. Where are those that today would say, God, as for me, as for my house, as for my future, as for my life, I want to serve God. I feel the faith today to go all in. I believe this is a demarcation moment that we're drawing a line in the sand. And we're saying it was a three-year anniversary at Ocean's Church. That was the day that I put every one of my chips into the pot with Jesus. And I said, I'm going all the way in. I'm tired of being one foot in, one foot out, being confused because I'm serving the devil on Friday and serving God on Sundays. I am ready, Jesus, today. Lord, I'm scared, but I'm courageous. I'm ready. I'm bold. I want to go all the way in. I have a faith today that some of you have been one foot in, one foot out. And today I'm asking you as your pastor, if Jesus is real, surrender fully. Partial surrender will lead to spiritual schizophrenia. Today's the day that God makes you confident. You're not going to wonder, am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? Am I serving God? Am I not serving God? Am I a Christian or am I lost? Today's the day we draw a line in the sand. As for me, as for my future, as for my house, I'm going to serve God. That's you today, hands hands down, eyes closed, just for a moment. Serious, holy moment. I believe if you'll get bold for God right now, God will honor you in your future. You watch how God blesses your family, even your future family, your kids, and your future kids. You stand for God, and God will stand for you. Here today, I feel courage. If you've never gotten serious with Jesus, you fell away from Him, or you've been living one foot in, one foot out, maybe you've never believed. Today you say, Mark, if He's real, I want to go all the way in. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. I'm out of time. I want to pray for you. No one's looking. One, all over the tents. God, give them courage to respond right now. I'm going in. Two, all over the tents right now. Hands are already starting to go up. This is my day. Three, all the way up. All the way up. All the way up. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many hands. All the way up. I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty. Thirty hands. Thirty hands. Thirty hands. Thirty hands. Thirty hands. Jesus. You're online right now, your heart's beating out of your chest. Hey, can we just pray real quick for everybody that's watching online? Do you know every week there's more people that watch online than in our tents? I pray for all the thousands that will watch this service. I don't care if you're watching it in December of this year. God's knocking at the door of your heart right now. He says, if you will open up, I will come inside. I want you to write right now, I want you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T. Even if this is an old message you're listening to, if you're on Facebook, write heart, H-E-A-R-T, if you want to give your heart to Jesus today. Oceans, would you pray with those 30 in the tents? I bet there's five or ten more online right now that are right in heart. Would you pray this prayer with those people today? Say, Jesus, say it like you mean it. Come on, somebody. Jesus, I invite you today to be the Lord, CEO, Savior of my life. I offer you my full surrender. I read my Bible, plant myself in a church, 
find some believer friends and I begin to follow you starting today on the 19th is today the 19th? okay I'm not sure on the 19th of September Jesus heal me Jesus fill me Holy Spirit guide me from this day forward in the name of Jesus Christ I pray watch this last thing we're going to do today if you need healing in your body there's actually a few of you 30 people today that you need a physical healing in your body one has Crohn's one has some sort of Lyme disease condition God is healing your body right now your testimony will be the day I gave my life fully to God was the day that he fully healed my body there's someone in here you could not get pregnant and God says you will have many kids natural and through adoption in the days to come yeah there's someone right now today that you are going to go bankrupt and you watch how God breathes on your business you're done doing it corruptly you're done cutting corners you're done not having conviction God says you do it the righteous way and watch how I breathe on it you're not going to cheat people you're not going to steal you're going to God is going to bless your business I pray today Holy Spirit that your breath would come into every family in Oceans Church. We surrender our lives to you today, and I pray that you would heal. If you need healing in your body, lift your hands. We'll be out of here in two minutes. If you need healing in your body, lift your hands. I need a physical healing. I have some sort of issue. My, 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 my cholesterol is all skyrocketed right now. You have high blood pressure. There's even a type one diabetic that God's gonna heal today. I pray you would do the ridiculous. If you need a healing in your body, lift your hands, tendonitis lift your hands you got some sort of scoliosis lift your hands you got some sort of autoimmune disease lift your hands you're some sort of bipolar mental condition lift your hands PTSD lift your hands if someone's hands up next to you I want you to put your hand on their shoulder we're family here at Ocean's Church put your hand on their shoulder someone make sure everyone has, has has a hand on their shoulder if their hands are up pray this prayer with me today Ocean's Church say Jesus I ask you in your name that you would do a miracle. Heal what's sick. Say it like you mean it. Fix what's broken. Evict darkness and diseases. Holy Spirit, you said we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. So on the 19th of September, today is the day that healing finds this body and comes into this house. Transform heal and do the miraculous in the name that's above every name Jesus Christ if you believe you can do it come on give him a loud hand clap and a shout thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week